Welcome to the Brick Business Show, where we talk about Lego investing, Lego reselling, entrepreneurship, and how people all around the world are using the thing that they love, Lego, to create an income and build a business. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another of the Brick Business Show. And finally, I get to talk to somebody in the bricks and minifigs world. I have Adam Weiner here, who has recently started a brick and mortar store with the franchise Bricks and Minifigs. And uh, I've been wanting to learn more about what that world is like for a while now. And I'm sure some of you out there have too. Really, really excited to have you here. Adam, welcome. Shane, thank you so much. Really looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, you've got like you've been through a whirlwind recently with you know so much change in your life when it comes to Lego, building a business around Lego, uh, joining the Bricks and Minifigs family. So I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting, uh, interesting discussion here. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's start off with I guess you know some of your background with Lego in general before we get into the kind of business end of things. Like where where did Lego start for you? Did you grow up on Lego or kind of where was it? Yeah, I mean, I was your typical child of the 80s uh, and really discovered Lego during that time, during kind of the height of their the, the castle and the space. And my memories are very fond of being, you know, between seven to 10 years old, uh, uh, getting those castle sets. I remember uh, particularly a Forestman sets that I had and just, you know, being aware of the world uh, as I grew up and kind of went into my dark ages as I got older. Um, but always kind of was aware of what Lego was doing and obviously admired the product. Anytime we went past the store, I had to go in, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but as I grew up and into college and graduate school and, and my career, I ended up running a uh, professional theater uh, for 15 years in downtown Kalamazoo before switching to Lego here. But uh, I got back into Lego, I would say about 10 years ago. Um, my wife bought me the DeLorean. Uh, the Back oh, wow. to the Future, the smaller one uh, for my birthday one year. So really, really got into that. And then, you know, bought sets here and there, uh, yeah. modulars, things that I thought, you know, were important to me, right, that mm -hmm. uh, I could put in my office. You know, I bought The Simpsons House when it came out. really loved that. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of kept control, but didn't really totally get immersed in it until the pandemic happened. And... Right. March of 2020, uh, you know, I was actually directing a play. Uh, sometimes I direct the shows. I'm the exec. I was the executive director of the theater company, and uh, I was directing a current show. And the show was scheduled to open on March Friday, March 13th, 2020. Uh, on March 12th, we got the notice that you know we had to close down. Everything was closing. You know, Broadway ended up closing, and everything. You know, yeah. we all know what happened after that. Uh, we ended up being shut down for 18 months. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't have known that then, but back in that March, I was like, okay, I have some time on my hands. Let's maybe buy some more Lego. Mm -hmm. Uh, and many people thought the same way, I think, and just kind of, I fell headfirst into it. I said, I'll just make a city and uh, just ended up just becoming totally obsessed with, with the product, with the themes and really educating myself about the world, about the world of Lego. And then about, I think, uh, six months later, uh, you know, we're still in the throes of the pandemic and came upon, I don't know, remember exactly how I came upon the bricks and minifigs uh, store, but I, I did through online, I'm sure, maybe a video here or there, uh, and really just bought into it immediately, bought into the model, really loved the idea that there was a brick and mortar store out there 
that you could go to that would sell new in box, but also had access to the entire catalog, the past catalog of 60 years of sets and figures and, you know, bulk Lego loose bricks uh, that, you know, really kind of was your one stop shopping if you didn't want to go online. A great experience. You know, anybody can go to Walmart, to Target, to Amazon uh, and, and get Lego. And, but uh, you come to Bricks and Minifigs like you go to the Lego store uh, for the experience and for the knowledge of the employees there. So really bought into that model, really enjoyed it, contacted the franchise, and it was still almost, you know, another year before I signed their documents, just trying to figure out what was happening in my world with professional theater, and uh, then finally making the decision to say, yeah, this is something I want to transition to, transition my career, uh, and, uh, you know, switch into this uh, retail experience, so. Wow, like I, so... I'm almost like on the edge of my seat now because I'm so happy to hear that this is all so new for you, right? Because oh, yeah. pandemic and then this transition and now you run a brick and mortar Lego store. And so, you know, I love that because it shows me what's possible when people set their mind to this and how, you know, many different kind of careers can be created or businesses can be created uh, with the thing that we love, which is Lego but also how fast it can actually turn around, right? And, you know, one of the most recent conversations I had was with Sean in Australia, another brick and mortar store who just recently started with Lego and now he's super successful. So I love hearing these stories of, of like the, the fast kind of transition and the fast change with, uh, I actually didn't realize that, you know, it was so recent for you. So, and the other thing I was thinking as you're talking there was, it's such a great time for you right now uh, with your background with Lego being, you know, you must have so much nostalgia with forest men, with castles, with DeLorean, like the things that you were talked about being, you know, massive introductions for you, um, all coming, coming back around recently. I just thought that was kind of an interesting, uh, a, a thing there. So I, I definitely kind of want to dig in a little bit more on the pandemic, right. And, and, you know, the, the 2020 craze, uh, w you know, it changed a lot of, of things for Lego because we had, everybody was stuck at home. We had, you know, sudden boom in sales on you know for for lego pretty much everywhere and so at that was that kind of a like as a fan i guess was that you know like a big realization for you on how much you love lego was it a thing where being stuck at home was a sudden aha like well this is you know a, a kind of something that i like a lot more than i ever realized did it play a big part in your pandemic story in general absolutely i I think the way things kind of moved over those those 18 months was was in like in waves many maybe like like the pandemic waves um where i would get really into into it figuring oh could i make this a career whether it was you know briefly you know investing without a brick and mortar store i thought about that for a while uh, but then I figured I would miss what I like most about the current job working with the theater is the customer service and the interaction with the community. And what's what's great about, I think, about Bricks and Minifigs is because it's a, even though it's a franchise, it's owned by local people who are at times, many times, already ingratiated into the community and able to reach out and give people uh, the customer service experience that they don't get from buying online. And um, after almost two years of being indoors, right? Starving for that connectivity. And, you know, Bricks and Minifigs, the franchise, 
you know, had, had like every retail store had issues in 2020 when you had bulk tables or birthday parties that you couldn't have and couldn't do. So I think, you know, when there was when everybody realized that they could do this at home and now everybody's out again and able to share their passion with each other. I think that's why I'm seeing this. There are at least a lot of the stores are seeing this huge boom in traffic because of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's also really interesting to me that you mentioned, you know, that you want, you kind of craved interaction and being around people um, because, you know, I could see that being really important for running a store, you know, and, and especially with in the world of Lego where, you know, this is the kind of thing where fans, they really want to talk about it. Like they love this, this thing that they collect and that they're, they're building. They want to talk to experts. They want that, you know, that experience, those stories. And so in the store, I can see that being super, super important to be just, able to kind of tap into that. And just like, you know, talking about sports or talking about music or any current events, things like that. When the world, I like to say, when the world was chaos, Lego was order for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to being able to have that set thing. These are the things that are out. This is what's cool about it. These are the techniques. This is what came out. You know, there's a set mm -hmm. finite and for my, you know, mild OCD-ness that <laughs> something that I really, really enjoyed talking about and talking to other people. Yeah. About. yeah, absolutely. Now, I I'm, I've, I want to dig deep on like the 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 experience that you went through to get the store open and different things like that, because I know it's something that, you know, a lot of people have probably considered out there. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, I'd love to just kind of level set for anybody out there who is not aware of Bricks and Minifigs. They don't even know maybe what a franchise is and how it works. Uh, could you just give us a, a like a very brief rundown on like what's the idea behind the franchise model as a, like as a business model? And uh, and just a kind of a quick overview of bricks and minifigs in general. Sure. Uh, well, bricks and minifigs uh, official tagline is rebuild, reuse, and reimagine. They were created by two guys in Oregon who were investors and resellers, just uh, online made mainly. But uh, these two guys met at a house at a buy and was like, "Wouldn't it be great if there was an actual store we could go to except instead of like going to people's houses and doing this." Uh, and Bricks and Minifigs was born from that. Over the years, uh, I think it started around, I want to say like 2000, between 2005, 2006. And the first store was in the Portland area in Oregon. Uh, and they got a couple more stores in there. Eventually, the franchise was bought uh, by uh, some folks in Salt Lake City. Uh, and that was recently, I want to say within the last five years. Uh, and since then, they developed kind of this 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 plan, this strategy to expand uh, with a, a more formal franchise model than the original owners. So the model is rebuild, reuse, reimagine the idea that there's four different points of differentiation that we want to make from other stores. And that is, you know, we offer uh, new sets, we offer retired sets, or sorry, rather we offer used sets, pre-owned sets, uh, we offer retired sets, new and or used, uh, sealed in the box. We offer bulk Lego bricks, loose Lego bricks, uh, and we offered the minifigs individually, which is, I think, the biggest uh, seller and aspect of the store. Uh, because if you if you've come in our store, you know we have a dozen uh, jewelry display cases that surround, you know, kind of act like a, a corral in the center of the store, filled with just thousands and thousands of figures that people can go into and select what they want. And you know, it's a it's a personal in-person option of going to BrickLink online, et cetera. 
Um, we also offer birthday parties. Uh, we have a party room uh, where we give kids or adults, I guess, their experience of, uh, we have a derby racetrack so people get to build bricks there, uh, build their own minifig. We have a minifig maker table, just like a Lego store has. Um, and we can offer other ancillary events that we're working on. So that was a long kind of way of saying uh, what the model is. <laughs> uh, but also I think it's a great thing for a community to have in a community that is not big enough to house an actual Lego store, right? If you look at all of the uh, places that do have, have, uh, have bricks and minifigs, are starting to, whether it's Kalamazoo here in this area. Kalamazoo, there are two stores in the Chicago area, but they're way out in the suburbs. There's one in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Omaha, uh, many in Texas. Some that do have uh, Lego stores near them, but they'll still have people that will want to go to their bricks and minifigs because they can also access these pre-owned sets because they're supplied by the community. It's a buy-sell trade model, and I should have emphasized that before. Yeah. So customers can come in, right, and bring their old Lego, whether it's assembled, whether it's new in the box, whether it's, you know, loose in a tub, right? And we will buy it from them. Um, and we'll buy it either, we'll offer cash or we'll offer store credit too, which is a great incentive for people. So it kind of keeps that cycle of, uh, of uh, you know, buying new sets, enjoying them. And then when you get, you know, tired of them, or if you want something else new, you can, uh, get a little save a little money by coming to us and doing that. That was such a fantastic rundown, you know, and I think that, yeah, it's great at, at kind of painting the picture. And in terms of a franchise business model in general, right? When we're like, if anybody out there is kind of not aware of what that is, I guess you could point to a lot of the biggest ones in the world, like Starbucks or Subway or McDonald's. Um, you know, these are, this is a business model where the first one was created by some entrepreneur somewhere and they created a, an amazing store. And they built all the marketing, the branding around it. They built recipes, you know, like if you're talking about food and different things like that. Mm -hmm. And then they decided to allow other entrepreneurs to use their trade secrets uh, for a fee. And so that they would have, you know, stores or restaurants pop, popping up all around the world with their brand, their color schemes, their furniture, their sure. recipes and different things. And so that's really what it is, at, you know, at, at its core is what a franchise model is. Um, now, Adam, is there, are there any other Lego franchises out there? I don't think there is, right? I, I know that there was, there's a gentleman, I think I want to say it's like Andy's Brick Store or something. Have you heard of that? It's like in Pennsylvania, mm. or I don't know. It rings a Probably bell. not as large. If there are, they're definitely not as large as, as bricks and minifigs. So. Yeah, and there's definitely people listening who are shouting at the screen right now, yes, there are three others. But um, but yeah, I, I haven't really heard of, of any, definitely not as large as this. So bricks and minifigs being, you know, the, the big one in the U.S. Are bricks and minifigs outside of the U.S. at all or no? There's one, I think, in Newfoundland. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. In like St. John's in Canada area. Gotcha. Um, but yeah. That's the, that's the only one. So I guess the basic idea behind that then is that, you know, it's an opportunity where someone uh, can tap into the branding and the, you know, the, the way that the bricks and minifig stores have been set up and yep. um, the things that they've figured out, the, the secrets that they've been able to develop to run a successful brick and mortar Lego store. And, you know, the entrepreneur who's setting up a store, maybe, you know, in a small town, Wherever you live, there's no Lego store. And so you decide that you want to set up a brick, bricks and minifig store. You can work with the company and, and become a, um, a franchiser. 
uh, franchisee, right? Sure. Uh, Got to get the terminology. So, um, so that's basically it. The, you know how it looks, and the opportunity is is available to anybody out there. You do need to be able to invest. You know the the money needed to set up a brick and mortar store. But, uh, you know, and then you need to also work with them on some of the requirements that they have. And so now that we've painted the picture, Adam, I'd love to kind of learn a little bit about that process, right? Well, actually, let's start with how did it all begin for you? Because you mentioned that you weren't really sure, like, how you stumbled across it. But when you did, you kind of loved the idea. Like, What can you tell us about those early days of thinking about doing this? You know, like, firstly it's probably a bit of a scary transition for you because at the time, you know, you were in theater. And so you were moving from like, I guess a world where firstly you had a lot more familiarity and you kind of knew what you were doing cause you were there for a while. And, um, but then you were obviously thrown into COVID and for, you know, in theater, that's a very scary time to a world where, okay, I think I'm going to get a lease on some retail space, which is a big investment and, and, and do these things. So how did that begin for you? Like, what was that, what was going through your head? What were the, the kind of scary things at that time? I'm, gonna, I'm terrified. I'm still terrified. Uh, I'm kind of still <laughs> waiting for the other shoe to drop, but I think one of the advantages and one of the first things, you know, I, I, when I was doing all my research for this, I was able to contact another franchise owners of the bricks and minifigs and speaking with them, right. To getting uh, some idea of what it was like. Right. And uh, a lot one of the guys said to me, he said, remember, you're you're also running a store, right? Yes, it's about buying the Lego and it's about being on top of your inventory. But at the same time, it's, you have this physical building, right? And that you have to be aware of everything that's in this building and not only obviously utilities and keeping it clean and, and regular maintenance, but also how everything looks in the store, right? It's such a big big deal presentation and where you're putting your sets and where how they're organized both in the minifig table and that's very 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 important so that was one of the first things they said but i think with my i had the experience of running like a physical building business with a building with a you know with a theater i knew how you know to work with vendors to get my security system set up to work you know with utilities so I, I had, it wasn't as much of a learning curve, I think because of that, it was more about learning about the retail process, which I still am with purchase orders, with knowing how much to get and, and having enough on demand. So those were kind of the first conversations I had. And I ended up speaking with the founders for my first few conversations uh, about becoming a franchisee. And, you know, they said to me, you know, it's a great business, but remember, you're not selling Ferraris. I remember that's what they said to me. You're not selling Ferraris, you're selling Lego Ferraris, perhaps, but uh not actual ones so i think it's like you know everybody thinks oh this is going to be a get rich quick type of scheme because lego you know appreciates better than gold as we all know so um <laughs> uh they kind of wanted to temper you know your expectations and make you understand that you're still gonna have to work hard at a business and not necessarily it's going to be a grind rather which is definitely a good like i like that right because you know they're they obviously want you to become a franchisee. It's in their best interest to expand the business, but they're being realistic and setting those expectations. That makes, makes a lot of sense. But like, well, firstly, I want to pause for a second and just kind of point out that like what you've said is that you immediately tried to talk to people who knew what they were doing, right? You immediately tried to, to, to get in touch with people who are currently doing that. So important for anybody out there, whether it's, you know, opening a brick and mortar store or Lego investing, which is what I do, or it's opening a bricklink parts store to sell parts. 
you know, there are ways that you can contact very successful people out there who are doing exactly what you want to do and uh, learn from them, right? And, and tap into their wealth of knowledge. So absolutely the best thing that you could have done at that time was just talk to the experts, talk to the people. Um, so, I mean, you were kind of learning from people who were doing it. And so you were hearing stories about how yeah. you could have been successful, right? Absolutely. So, you know, after doing the research and, you know, telling these guys, uh, telling the franchises that I'm very, very interested, I think Cal, you have to go through stages, right? You have to go through applications. They want you to be the right person for them, right? As, as much as you want them to be right for you, right? Yeah. So, you know, they do background checks. They want to make sure that you have enough, you know, money, enough capital to make this investment to get a store off the ground. Um, and there's a range, you know, they give you a range of this is how much it's going to cost, right? This is how much your utilities are going to cost in their financial disclosure documents, right? This is how much inventory you're going to need approximately, it's approximately how much staffing you're going to use. Mm -hmm. uh, all these things that you might not be thinking about, your credit card fees, your insurance, right? Uh, you know, your uh, leasehold improvements that you're going to need to make for your store, your, your equipment, et cetera, all of that, right? So you are aware of what this is going to cost when you get into it. Uh, and then, you know, you keep going up the ranks, you keep talking to people in the company, and eventually you sign the documents, right? And uh, you sign, you're on your way. You go to uh, for training. Uh, and Salt Lake City is where they're headquarters. So we went there back in January uh, to train for a week. Uh, they have three stores there in that area. So we were able to go around to all three and talk to the owners there and uh, get a good idea of, you know, what every store is a little bit different. It's not like, uh, that's what's other interesting. Yeah, it's a franchise, but it's not like a Chili's where everything is exactly mapped out the same way, right? Every Bricks and Minifigs is a little bit different in the way, you know, the branding is still the same, but in terms of their focus and what they do, uh, it can, you know, there's a lot of uh, leeway in there. So if you want to be the minifig store, right, you want to have all of the minifigs and not focus as much as new inbox. There are stores that do that. You know, if you are a, a Technic store, you are a, you know, a, every store is a Star Wars store, let's be honest. But, you know, some are, are more, some themes are more popular than others, you know, it depends. So... Yeah, I, I definitely want to dig in a little bit deeper on that because it is one of the problems with franchises in general. A lot of the time is the red tape. It is the restrictions. It is the inability of the store owner to make their own decisions because it's not what the franchiser wants. And so it sounds like there's a lot of flexibility with Brace and Minifigs, which is great because... My experience there has been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because with Lego, like you were saying there, there's so many different business models you could chase down. There's people who specialize in certain themes and certain areas. Giving the store owner the power to make those decisions, I think, is probably a better uh, better approach. Some stores, but, some stores have an online component. You know, we don't as of uh, yet. I don't know if that's going to be a goal for us in the future. Uh, but a lot of the stores, and that's that's a way if you really want to kind of increase your you know, your capital, increase your, your numbers, but it's a very time consuming to sell minifigs individually online as many. It's a whole different game, you know, like e-commerce is just a whole different skill set, you know, and, and setting that website up and everything. So what, I mean, it's, even though it sounds like there's a lot of flexibility, there's, there's likely going to be some sort of restrictions and some things that you need to do the same as them. I assume, you know, a lot of that is down to the, the way the store looks and the, you know, the branding outside the store and different things like that. Can you talk us through some of the things that are required if you run a store there? 
Sure. Um, so in terms of the things that are that that are required, I would say, like you said, the branding, everything that you put out there has to be kind of gone through the main channels, right? They'll give you assets. They'll give you all sorts of ads and things that you can run that have been approved. But if you want to do something special, particularly something that, you know, deals with the Lego logo or the brand or stuff, you have to run it by uh, corporate because there's lots of little rules. And as we know, Lego is very protective of their trademark. Uh, and, uh, you know, you have to use it the right way. Um, and uh, so you have to be aware of that. Um, also, the where you put certain things in the store. You know, we have uh, an agreement or the franchise does with uh, a wholesale toy company called Toy House, mm -hmm. which sells Lego to independent toy retailers across the country. Right. Because I guess we are not big enough as of yet to buy directly from the Lego group for their new box. So because we are, you know, a client of Toy House, all of the Toy House stuff that we get has to be in the same place, right? In the store. You can't put a, a set that's an X-Wing that's currently out now next to a retired X-Wing, right? Okay. Or something, or another retired thing. You can't put retired sets next to new sets. You have to know exactly what's out there. The retired sets can go in a different space, uh, but that has to be there. Um, uh, restriction, if you call it a restriction or just a, a, being a franchise usually comes with a royalty. So we pay royalties on all of our gross sales, right? So that's something to be aware of, especially if you're going to be going into this game with the franchise, they do a lot for you, right? They hold your hand, they help you. Uh, what's great about having a franchise is you have 50 other stores to talk to, uh, you know, which makes it very, very helpful if you have yeah. questions uh you know or have a problem uh yeah. that that said ooh, see now i'm gonna say i forgot my my train of thought here so God. on restrictions oh on on restrictions the royalties yeah yeah like i was saying so they help you a lot they do a lot for you right but uh they have that royalty in place you're going to be continually you know paying for that in addition to the franchise fee right you pay for their, you know, to have their web, your website be hosted. You're paying for, you know, monthly financials and updates that they're going to give you, you know, marketing assets that they're going to give you, access to sourcing minifigures or parts or uh, certain sets, access to vendors, right? Uh, special vendors that uh, can get you products, brick arms, you know, big kid bricks, etc. cetera. Uh, but you pay for that, you know, so it's mm -hmm. that trade-off that you have to be aware of. Yeah. And is, is there any restrictions on your sourcing of your inventory? Do you need to go through their sources? Can you do your own thing as well? Oh, you can definitely do your own thing. You're encouraged to do your own thing. Um, but they are there to provide you, you know, Hey, we got this, you know, if you want, you know, we got all these boxes of uh, video series two from Europe that never came out. Do you do who wants them? You know, that gotcha. kind of thing. And yeah, so it makes it uh, it makes it worth it so far for me. It's worth it, and the people who there uh, are really you know passionate about the franchise, I think, and really have a plan for growth, and they're they're really great people as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, really have enjoyed it so far. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, on the website, um, they do have some of the details. People who are listening are, are, are likely going to be a little bit curious about, uh, you know, some of the specifics on the numbers, right? And we're not going to go deep on, you know, how the, how much 
uh, every franchisee has to pay to, to the, the headquarters. But they do have some publicly available information out there on the website. They have um, some specifics there. So they do mention there's an initial franchise fee of $25,000. Um, you know, and that will get you protected territory, five-day training program at the headquarters, um, up to three days of on-site training at your location, a web page, and a comprehensive um, operations manual. And then they also kind of mentioned some other numbers, uh, specific uh, prices of some of the systems um, that you may have to, you know, invest in, like computer systems and, you know, your point, point, of, sale. point of sales and stuff like that. So for anybody who's kind of curious about the specific numbers, um, head over to the Bricks and Minifigs website and you can see some of that information uh, there. Adam, a question I did want to ask you about the, about the fees, I guess, is... Um, you know, was it something that, you know, you had to dig deep to, 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 to figure out if it would be worth it? Because I think there are going to be some hesitations out there. There are going to be people who think I could just set up my own brick and mortar store, create my own brand, you know, hire someone on Fiverr to create a logo, build a website and, you know, I should be good to go. Now, I think that there would be some naivety involved in, in, in some of that because there's going to be a lot more to this. Um, did you have any of that struggle when it comes to the fees you you knew you would have to pay? No, because I, no, because I knew I needed the help, right? I okay. wanted the handholding, right? Um, yeah. Because I was going into such a new world. I don't know if I had ten years of uh, you know online e-commerce investing of Lego under me, I'd feel different. Maybe if I had ten years experience of running a brick and order store, just not Lego, I might feel different. But in this case, I was like, here, teach me what the best way is to do this. And it was it was kind of a trial by fire for sure. Uh, those first few months, you know, one of the first things I did when I taught another one of the things that one of the uh, other stores said to me when I talked to them probably a, a year and a half ago, they were like, start buying now. <laughs> start buying now, definitely, because the things that you're going to buy now that are on sale when you open a year and a half from now are not you know, going to be available. So you're going to have that advantage. Yeah. Uh, and that was great. I mean, that was, I, I started doing that little by little and I had a lot of great uh, inventory, but new in the box. And I used a lot of the sets that I bought over the pandemic to kind of jumpstart the inventory that for us, some modulars here, some bigger sets here, some vehicles, et cetera. So was able yeah. to help with that. Had some, um, uh, buy events as well earlier before we even open to source right product to source bulk bricks the use sets and you know viral online digital marketing is is was what we had to do and got a lot of lot of great support from the community um you know all my projections are out the window basically i will say that going wow. into it you know i did a budget you know i did a budget every year for 15 years for the theater uh, you know, and our budget ranged from anywhere from $200,000 per year when we were starting to a million uh, now when we left it, when I left it. Um, and I, so I did a budget for the store, what I thought I was going to do, you know, how much I'm going to pay my staff and how much I'm going to spend on inventory. This is what I think I'm going to make in sales based on what the research that I did with other stores and having an idea. After, I would say, seven weeks of being open, it's all out the window, all out the window. <laughs> Um, the, I think I can, you know, the, the, every franchise has been seeing growth this year. Uh, and just, you know, opening in the summer was a great benefit, I think. And we were lucky enough to find a great location and it is true location, 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 location. I can't say it enough. 
is what's important. Uh, Bricks and Minifigs, the franchise does. I think they are still doing this. They have uh, folks that will help you search in your area to find uh, a place for you. Uh, they want to help you with that. I was fortunate because I, I had, do have real estate experience, so I knew kind of where to look in town and was great, was lucky enough to find a, uh, like a mini mall shopping complex that has a children's store, a children's clothing store that has an ice cream store that has a bookstore that has a children's bookstore, you know, great center, a children's shoe shop is literally right across from us. So it's this great synergy that just worked, right? I, it's not the most popular thoroughfare of the, of the community, but it's the right place to be, right? So that's what's- That's incredible. Be. So it's like just made for a Lego store to oh, exist yeah. there. Yeah, and when they are, um, when they're helping you to pick a, a location, I know they didn't do that with you, but do you happen to know, is there anything else that they would look for? If there's anyone here listening who is thinking about, oh, there's this retail store down the street. Um, so you're looking for things that are close to other, draws for families and for children and for, you know absolutely i think like-minded businesses uh you know family-owned community-owned businesses uh i'm fortunate enough again kalamazoo is a great you know we're about three hundred thousand in our population but it's a small town right we it's a college town uh, western michigan university is here but it but uh, everybody seems to know each other right uh and everybody is a supportive if there's a new you know, whether store or restaurant or things, people flock to it, right? They want yeah. to check it out. Um, so I think in communities of this size, I know Sioux Falls just opened a store, uh, Bricks and Minifigs, and they're about the same size of community Sioux Falls, South Dakota, as we are. And they saw, they had the highest grand opening of any uh, Bricks and Minifigs franchise ever. Well, We came in second, unfortunately. Second, so. I'll take second. Second, second Sioux Falls, but that's good. Um, I love it. So, and, uh, go ahead. So I, I definitely want to dig in more on your training experience and like the things that, you know, happened over those first couple of weeks after you signed the papers. Uh, but before we get there, you know, just to kind of round out on the, the, I guess the restrictions, the experience of being a franchisee and different things. Um, you mentioned sourcing, for example, and you know, it's okay for you to source whatever way you want to. Um, but you know, are there kind of, I, I guess, are there, are there anything, any other areas of the store where you lack control, where you wish you did have control or anything like that? Anything else that people should be aware of with, with being a franchisee? Um, in terms of control, for us, I mean, I still, ask me in six months, I might have a different answer. You know, we're still pretty new and we're still kind of in the honeymoon phase. I'm sure within six months and you know you can talk to other stores and they'll give you you know different answers they recently for example the franchise just recently switched over to a new point of sale system uh so everybody is you know learning it at the same time and they're just frustrated as they would be because they're used to the old system right um i never had the old system so i'm like this is fine i don't know what, what you guys are complaining about but you know mm -hmm. so things like that when the franchise comes in and says, you know, this is what this has got to be, this is the point of sale system, or, you know, look, uh, you know, this is inflation is causing, you know, us to uh, make some certain choices on how much uh, our minifig should be, our minifig maker table should be, or our ball figs should be. Uh, so you need to be aware of that. Um, so, you know, that, that can cause some friction sometimes. I think with other franchisees, but you got, again, at the end of the day, you got to know what you're getting into. Uh, and if you're going to be part of the system, you're going to have to, you know, follow their rules to a point. But again, 
you can always I go to them for everything. I question ask them questions. If you you know if you don't ask, how do you know that it's going to be okay? So we send them everything. Or is it okay to buy you know use this vendor? Is it okay to have these for sale in the store? You know, just ask. Yeah. And so the pricing of of items are kind of something that is a little bit kind of, you know, we want to be uniform in some ways across the different stores. Right. We don't want to go into one brick, bricks and minifig store and see a set that, you know, it's, it's triple the price of the same set in another store. Which is interesting because, yeah, which is interesting in that case. And we look at another thing of how we decide how much to sell things. I look at, you know, what other stores are selling them at. I'll go to okay. look at three other stores and, oh, they're selling, uh, you know, the end game battle used for this much. So I'll know then what's going to be, you know, the right way. You know, there's a lot of interesting, there's, there's talk about, well, should every bricks and minifigs have the same minifig price for every minifig, right? Should every Luke Skywalker be this much? Should every Darth Vader be this much? It's not like that case right now. And I don't think it should be because different areas of the country have different, you know, uh, wants and, uh, you know, for example, oh, I brought this here. I can finally use it. So we got this came in yesterday. Uh, this is a this is a toucan Sam, right? This is it was a professional uh, uh, promotional set that was done by Kellogg's in 1990, right? Oh, 32 years cool. ago. So Kellogg's is in Battle Creek, which it matched Michigan, which is about 20 minutes from us, right? So if you brought this in in South Dakota or something, nobody's going to care, right? But yeah. I'm going to get some Kellogg's guy. It's going to come in and see this rare piece and want to buy it right yeah yeah absolutely yeah you're going to have differences you're also going to have differences in you know in living costs in different cities and, and yes. things like that you know how much visibility do you have into the other stores like can you see their their sales numbers at, at that level of depth or no okay uh, no we're not we're given we're given you know uh information about how everyone did for the year but it's not you can't tell who's who right so okay. it keeps that in anonymity um okay. so you don't see that so um but in terms of financials uh yeah again i i don't know <laughs> how yeah. it's going to go i assume quarter four is going to be big uh you know that's kind of what we're going to plan uh, once school starts i think things are going to die down a little bit in here but uh, uh we just got notified today that hopefully beyond the brick you know who does a lot of tours of bricks and minifig stores will be coming through Michigan uh, and hopefully be able to tour our store uh, next month. So we'll get that exposure, which is great. So I think they're That's going to brick, great channel. brick world. Yeah. And yeah, brick world in Detroit, I think they're going to in September. So awesome. through here. Yeah. And how much communication is there between the store owners? Like, do you guys all have a big group somewhere? Like, is there kind of a ton of sharing going on all the time? A lot. So we use um, Slack, which is a, uh, a program, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, you know, like monday.com or Slack, whatever. So all, yeah. So all the stores uh, are able to talk to each other and, you know, in different categories. So there's a category like store to store sales, right? So I, if you have a customer that comes in and says, hey, I'm looking for the Ghostbusters Firehouse, do you have it? I don't have it, but maybe another store does. So I can ask all 40 other stores and they, they can ship it to me at cost or whatever. Uh, and, you know, make it work. So that's a nice advantage to tell customers uh, and everybody's sharing stuff. People will share assets with that, with us, you know, photos that they do. Um, people will tell marketing tips, other, you know, party events, parties and events are a big thing for the Bricks and Minifigs franchise because uh, 
there's, you know, there's no margin, <laughs> you know, there's no expenses there. It's basically, you just have a space and you're throwing the party, right? So parties are very, very important. So great advantages or things you can do to fill that space is, is yeah. big. And, you know, because our margins are thin on the new sets, as we all know, uh, you know, Lego, Lego is a you know, premium product and it's expensive and margins are very thin for us. So you have to make that up with the used sets, with the minifigs and with the bulk and with the parties. Right. So the for us, you know, the new sets are great to have. Uh, they're great to promote, um, but they are mainly a carrot to bring you in the store. So got gotcha. you. They're kind of yeah. like the yeah. in, casino, in a casino. <laughs> Okay. It seems to be a common consensus that, you know, every store owner that I've talked to is kind of like minifigs, you know, put the minifigs right next to the register and and, and it's it's all good. Um, okay, so I, I definitely want to learn more about the this the startup kind of phase of, of the of the store for you. Um I guess so you mentioned it was a year-long process, right? From when you kind of decided you wanted to do it to when you, you know, you opened the store. Was that right? I would say for me it was almost like a year and a half, but it was because I was, you know, I wasn't sure that this is what I wanted to do. From when I made the decision of, yeah, I, I, I'm going to do this, it was kind of uh, May of 2021. I ended up signing the documents in October of 2021 and went for training in January and opened in June of this year. Amazing. So, Just so like, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so during that time, I guess, what were some of the big... What, did you ever have a moment where you're like, I'm doing the wrong thing? Like, this is not going to work the way I think it will. What were some of the big kind of challenges or scary moments be be before I, you actually got the store open? The biggest thing for me was I, I was confident I could get the new inbox of what I needed because I knew how to source it. Um, I was worried about use sets and uh, bulk Lego because I didn't know if the people in the community would know what to do, right? You know, there's people on Facebook Marketplace all the time, everywhere, who sell it, who are selling Lego or eBay, obviously. But uh, you know, we put it out there, uh, and and I think the, trust the model uh, of the franchise because they know what they're doing. Because they say, "Don't worry, don't." They kept telling me, "Don't worry, you're going to get people, and they're going to come." And sure enough, they did. Uh, and it's just people looking, you know, to unload what they have in their house, and you put it out there, you will get it. You know, and they say the stuff, the people that you see on Facebook Marketplace or eBay, those are the people you don't want to communicate with because they are the people that, you know, are, they, they know what they're doing or they, they know how much the value of Lego is and they're in the Lego business. The people who are going to give you the stuff that you're going to want, they just want it off their hands. They want it off their plate, right? We can't offer the same. And, you know, the, the same continues today, every day when I talk with customers uh, and work on buys or trades. Uh, you know, I can't give you the value of what uh, these are worth, right? I, or what you're going to find on eBay, etc. Uh, because I have a brick and mortar space, because I'm paying employees, because I have to keep the lights on, right? But I'm taking the work from you. I'm here with a hundred bucks in cash for you right here, right now. Even this might be worth, you know, two hundred bucks, and and they'll and they'll do it. I was able to get on a buy. Just last week, the UCS Millennium Falcon, the UCS Star Destroyer, and the Republic gunship, all in one buy. For an, if I told you the price, I you would probably fall. Out of the seat. <laughs> oh, so, oh, um, 
you know, but those are going to sit for a while, right? They look great in the store. They're going to sit for a while. And you're taking that risk. Every time you make a buy, you're taking the risk that, you know, it's just going to sit there and it's going to be a while before you're going to make your money back. Yeah. But arguably a great investment for the well factor of yes. some of those sets, you know, yes. just having them in the store. Um, it's a great draw. It's a great kind of, it helps with the ambiance. It helps with the, you know, the, the, the excitement of the place. People are like, you know, people are like, are you going to get the cloud city, you know, set? Are you going to get Mr. Gold in here? I was like, I, I really, if it came in here, I don't know if I would even buy it because, yeah. because it's, it's just going to sit there. It's a nice prestige thing. To yeah. Have. But, yeah. Mr. Gold is, is a funny one. You know, it's, it's, it's so sought after and I just don't see the, <laughs> anyway, it's just opinion. Yeah. The um the experience of training then what was that like for you so you you traveled to the kind of to the the Salt Lake City you said where it was mm -hmm. three stores and so um who were you training with I guess were you meeting with the owners with the original kind of we a little bit with the owners but we were mainly uh, working with uh, like their director of operations a gentleman named Matt who kind of um, oversees basically the the all the training of everyone who comes in and. Uh, he was excellent, uh, excellent guy, and they should never lose him because <laughs> in and they because they send someone out to you too when you open. Someone comes out to you from the franchise to for like three four days and holds your hand the whole way and make sure you're doing everything right. We're helping you set up the point of sale system, make sure you know all your employees know what they're doing, even helping train them a little bit. So for us it was basically two, three days kind of just sitting down with him and talking with him, going through the manual, understanding, you know, what we are doing here, uh, how the model works uh, and how to source uh, product, how to work with your customers, how to do trades, how to do buys, what it's going to look like uh, after you leave the training. And then they kind of just throw you into one of the stores and have you basically just become an employee of the store for a couple of days. Right. And kind of learn by by doing and just shadowing people in the store. Gotcha. Uh, so a lot of so it you, is, sorry, go ahead. So you were just working with, you know, one of the other kind of franchisees over that court over the, the like a couple of days? Um, we didn't have any other French. Uh, you mean working in the stores in someone yeah. else's store? Yeah, working in the stores uh, with with their managers, with their people sorting bulk, taking buys, researching uh, for okay. trades, etc. So just kind of, you know, trial by fire again in there uh, and to get an idea. And then they kind of send you home and they say, okay, get, get a store, <laughs> get a space. Yeah. And they talk with you every week. Uh, you have weekly meetings with, with one of their man unit support managers there. And, you know, they had you read a, read a book about franchisees, that franchise relationship, which, uh, you know, might sound, Ugh, I have to read it, read something. It was very helpful. It was a mm -hmm. very helpful book. Uh, I don't know if they still do it. I think they should, but it was helpful to me to understand what my expectations were going to be uh, yeah. going in. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, they meet with you every week and make sure you are doing the right things. They have a mar dedicated marketing person uh, that will talk with you and make sure are you doing everything ready with press releases? Are you, you know, talking to the right people in your community uh, on how to get ready, you know, here's how to do the Facebook ads for boosting Instagram. This is how often you should be doing it, et cetera. Here's how to get the website ready, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing, like it's, it's super valuable stuff, right? It's super valuable stuff because not only do you have that dedicated marketing person that's going to help you, let's say for example, 
if you were not good at marketing, you never did any marketing before, and this person is going to guide you through how to do it. But that person, not only do they have experience with marketing, but they've done this for other stores, for other Lego-based stores, right? Um, essentially, they have done successfully exactly what you were trying to do when it comes to your marketing. The trainer who walked you through, you know, how to set up your um, your point of sale system or your sourcing, they have successfully done that with a lot of other franchisees. They have seen what works, what doesn't right. work. You are getting, it's like, you know, if, if anybody is concerned about having to pay a franchiser, like the fr franchise fees and stuff, it's like hiring people for your business, but not having, but getting the absolute best people to help you firstly, because they've right. done it again and again and again. And not having to train them, they're actually training you. You right. know, which any business owners out there know the value of having that kind of help. So, and I actually, I'm thinking about, it's kind of reminding me of like Amazon fees, right? Because I, it's a complaint that I get all the time in Lego investing is I don't want to pay 15% of my sale to, to Amazon or eBay. I'd rather sell locally or I'd, I'd rather sell on Facebook Marketplace. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm in the camp of 15% is a very small fee to pay for access to that many buyers, right, on Amazon and that, like, that quantity of people who you don't have to market to. This is a similar thing. You, yes, you have to pay a fee, but the help that it sounds like you get is, uh, yeah. it's honestly worth, it's worth a ton, I, I imagine. Yeah. And so you, how did you... Sorry, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. No, I was saying, like, yeah, so if I have problems immediately, if I have a point of sale issue... You know, I don't have to call uh, the point of sale company. I go on Slack and I talk to a unit support manager. I'm having this problem within five minutes. They're giving me answers. So I don't have to worry about that. If I have a set that comes in that I don't know, eBay's not giving me great information. Bricklink's not giving me information. Hey, everyone, what do you price this figure or price this set at? And I'll get information back almost instantly. It's great. It's a really, really good community. And we're actually going, I'm excited. We're going every year, all the franchisees get together at a, like a conference, uh, BAMCON, so as they call it. So, and this year it's actually going to, first time it's going to be out of, outside of Utah, it's going to be in California. So you could be heading out there in October to meet all the other franchisees. I met a few of them uh, in the area, but I'm excited to uh, meet everybody at that time. That sounds amazing. Yeah, the support network around you is, is is fantastic. And it's way beyond what I expected. You know, from the outside, when I was looking at bricks and minifigs and thinking, um, you know, it's probably a lot of the benefit is probably in the marketing and the brand and the people know the name. But you know, the support network, you know, it's kind of like an under the hood thing. And that's the real value here, you know. Because everybody's passionate about the product. Everybody, you know, everybody who's in this is kind of doing it for the love of Lego. I don't think there's... There are owners or managers that are like, eh, I think this is a good, I haven't met anybody yet that's like not like a super nerd Lego like aficionado like myself, right? So yeah. yep. um, can't wait for Brick World in Chicago next year, hopefully. And, you know, a lot of the, we weren't able to get to it last year, but I know a couple of the Bricks and Minifigs has a table there, I believe. And I think they did like a, a conference or a, a speaking session there this year. I, I heard, yeah, I, I heard about it, yeah. I think it was it went down really well a lot of people kind okay. of had a lot of positive comments um so after you did your training i guess how did you come how did you come home feeling right did you were you like pumped and energized and thinking i can totally do this or were you a little overwhelmed and thinking well there's so much more involved with this than i thought uh both 
Both. Uh, I was excited because I knew I, I, I was, I felt ahead of the game because of the experience that I've had. And I knew, you know, we were going to in line to get a good location and I have the experience. I wasn't afraid of opening, you know, opening a physical store. Right. I was concerned about having, getting the product for the store. Uh, the hardest thing that was to source that will always be to source will be the minifigs themselves um, because you want to make sure you're getting good prices on them. And, you know, especially lately, it's been even harder and harder to get massive amounts of, of figures, whether it's even just uh, uh, basic stuff that you're going to want for your minifigure table, let alone, you know, collectible series, Star Wars, you know, uh, Harry Potter, Marvel, etc. Right. Um, I, I, you're always working to get to get to get figs. Uh, the franchise will help you out a little bit, but. You know, Bricklink will be your friend. Ordering internationally will be your friend uh, if that's something you want to start. I don't know how ger those guys in Germany get those low prices for some of that stuff, but they do. So, <laughs> and uh, it just works out for me. So, uh, uh, yeah. but yeah, sourcing minifigs early and often is going to be taking the longest thing. Uh, same reason getting your store ready physically, plating the minifigs is going to take the longest, right? Getting all those Star Wars guys to look exactly right, series numbers, et cetera, Disney, forget it. You know, it's going to yeah. take a while, but it's going to look so nice when it's done. So. Absolutely. And what are some of the, like, what about the retired sets, you know, and having some retired sets available? What What's your approach to that? Is there any support um, there for that? I mean, I imagine, imagine that's kind of the hard, that'd be a hard thing for the for Bricks and Minifigs to make sure that all of the stores have some retired sets. It's hard. That to, work? Yeah. Um, it's hard. They don't necessarily do a lot of, uh, they're not able to do a lot of help with that, but you'd be surprised. Uh, I never know what's coming in every day. You know, you'd be really surprised what's going to come in both, whether it's used and complete or new in the box. Uh, you know, a guy came in, uh, a family came in not too long ago with a number of new in the box, including, uh, the ghost was new. And I couldn't believe I saw that and it looked looking as good as it did amongst others, you know, and was able to trade for it because they didn't want these high profiles. There was a UCS Batmobile in there too, and a bunch of other great things. Um, and they, they, they took a decent price for it because they wanted some sets that we had in our store, right? Some old castle sets that I had or an old pirate ship that I had for, you know, $400 here, 300, the black pearl we had. So, right. So they were able to, cause they, it was a win-win because I got what I wanted and they got what they wanted. They didn't want the ghosts. They wanted these old vintage sets. So the circle of life continues, I think, with the bricks and minifigs. You're going to get a different customer who's going to come in and they're going to trade in their black pearl or their, you know, to get that ghost in new in box that's on the shelf. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, I, I never know what's going to come in the weirdest things still every day, but, uh, it won't be difficult to get retired sets, both new and used. I don't think, in, at least in my experience. Sounds like such a part of the excitement. You know, I would, right. I would just love to have people walk through my door every day with interesting <laughs> retired Lego sets. Um, the like, is there an element of investing involved at all, or like, are you thinking about putting stuff away for a year, for two years at all, or no? Slowly but surely, probably not. A lot of people, you know, we talk about it comes up from time to time. If we have a plethora of stuff, like I had a lot of Hagrid's huts when, when we opened the store, you know, because that was the one that, that you said amongst us, you know, buy, right? So I think I might be almost out of them right now. 
Um, but I think as I get a, uh, it depends on how much space you have. I think if you have a lot of space, you have the ability to do that. Uh, and to, you can stock up on stuff when they're on clearance or when they go on sale. I, I would probably do that more if I had more space or if I was a little bit more comfortable in the projections of where I was going. I see myself in the future doing that more, you know, taking a set and just, I'll buy three of them, put one, you know, in the basement somewhere and just save it. Um, so that, that certainly is a possibility, but I think space is a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gotta be tricky at some point as well. When you know, you could get like, let's say 25, 30% margin today, or you get a return today, or you could wait a year and get 70%. It's kind of arguably better to just sell, like go for the fast return over and sell stuff quicker when you have that avenue to do so. There will, there will um, always be another bus. There will always yes. be another set to get. There will always be something else to save. So if you miss this one, it's okay. There'll be another one along the way soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper on the process of actually physically opening a store. And so um, did they, like, did, did you, so you had some guidance on the front of the store, for example. Did you have to lay out the store in a specific way as well? How did that work? Did they send somebody out? How did you like? Did you have to work on it yourself? Did you hire contractors? What was that process like? Uh, that yeah. So that process was they they told us the franchise told us this is what you need in your store. You know, you need these cases. Here are some recommended vendors to get you know the the, the stuff that you need, the equipment that you need. Uh, but in terms of layout, colors, and thing, they're kind of just like let's see what you got. <laughs> um, we were lucky. We actually. Uh, was talk we're talking to another store the store in sioux falls that was opening along the same time and they told us of a vendor who sold them all of their fixtures all their cases all their gondolas all their shelving slat wall etc uh, and did a 3d rendering for them of the store layout you gave them their dimensions and they did it for you free free consultation right so we called them up uh and did the same thing and it, and it worked out really really nicely um, this is where the advantages of, of having a partner came in. My wife, my wife Allison, who doesn't have a lot of Lego knowledge um, at all, but has a real knack for you know event planning and design, uh, really kind of took over on that and designed the layout of the store. Uh, you don't need to be a Lego person to to do that. So she was like, "Here's where the corral is going to be. Here's where the new set should be. Here's where you know the cashier should be." Uh, and then she was also able to uh, contribute to the decor and having ideas. So when you come in our store, I don't know if I want to spoil anything because you'll maybe see it on the Beyond the Brick. But, uh, you know, she took we got hundreds of base plates and basically greebled Lego bricks on, on hundreds of them and put them as a trim on top of the store. Right. Oh, it's cool. like that. Um, we were we took uh, got went on Etsy and got, uh, you know, all these definitions uh, of different Lego uh, terms, right? A full, rebel, snot, etc., and printed them out on these huge uh, posters, basically, and put plastered them on the wall, right? So little touches of, of, of fun things. And we got posters and artwork, uh, really live in the store. Store is black and white, right? Because we wanted uh, the product to be the color. So there's accents of colors on the doors. The doors look like a two by four brick. You know, uh, it's very cute. Uh, so those little things that you want to think about, uh, things that don't cost a lot, 
but that you can do that's going to make a big impact because you're not going to have a lot of money to improve your store. One of the big things they they tell you is get a store that's get a space that's ready to go, ready to go soon. Yep. That you're not going to have to do a lot of work on, right? But uh, so those, important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we kind of didn't follow that. Unfortunately, we had the space that we chose. It was too good. We did a little bit of fixer up, but in terms of like fixtures and things, you don't need to spend a lot. Yeah. The, the thing that I think is so important about what you said, or, you know, is, is creating a, a welcoming space for people to want to be right. To, to, because I actually remember a bookstore when I was growing up and, um, I felt like I always just wanted to go back to this bookstore. I could never say why. Even to this day, I remember this bookstore. There was something about the ambiance. They had like little water fountains and, you know, with stones, water trickling down the stones. And you could sit and have a coffee and, and read a book. I know a lot of bookstores approach, like do something similar. Mm -hmm. But this store had everything so perfect when it comes to the feeling of being in the store and what you want from a bookstore. Like what are people, what are readers looking for? And so, you know, having that feeling that people can't even describe about why they want to go into your store, uh, it sounds like, I mean, it's so useful to have your wife, you know, and the, <laughs> the knack for design um, that, that she has, because it is something that I think is very hard to learn to uh, make a store welcoming, to make kind of the ambiance and the yeah, feel. Get that help. Way. If you need help, if you need to decide what kind of flooring should I have, what kind of slat wall I have, you know, if you don't have that expert, you know, find someone in your in your circle that might have, you know, experience with that. Yeah. Totally worth it. Very helpful. Yeah. So just real quick, I, I wanted to like, I wanted to ask a little bit about since you opened, right? Because we talked about the, the, the application and what that was like and, and setting up and training and different things. But since I guess like how was opening day for you? How was like, how excited what were you with the, at the whole thing? Did everything go to plan? What was the experience in the first week or two? Um, it was, it was, chaos it was insanity i you know we did a really good job i think of, of marketing the space of uh our digital viral marketing got a lot of features you know in some local magazines and local print uh as well as you know some engaging through online uh talk to a local um uh online uh group that that talks about events and things to do for kids and families if there's that in your community getting good with them because they have the reach uh, and we had three hour waits outside of our store on wow. opening day. Three hours. Yeah. We had people in line just hour before we opened. Um, and it was just chaos. It was, uh, and we're like on the lower level, right. Of this complex. And so we had this line snaking along from the opening up these stairs to this, the, the other level, people were going to subway up. There's a subway up there and seeing what the heck is this? And they, had to come down and yet people were waiting in line three hours to get in. And I, I felt bad about it, but it, at the same time, it, it was such an amazing experience and the business that we did that day and people coming in, these kids coming in. And that's another great thing that we don't as investors or resellers don't talk about maybe enough that this is really for the kids uh, and seeing these kids come through and looking and like, oh, just an awe at the store and seeing all those minifigs. I mean, they're in their little heaven, right? Uh, and just to see that every day is is reward unto itself. Seeing the happiness, you know, it's hard to come into the store and get depressed. It's hard to go in any Lego store and get depressed. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's yeah. really a, a great benefit. The grand opening, someone at the store will show you, it'll be the best day of your life <laughs> uh, before wow. we opened. It was a great day. 
Um, and it really hasn't calmed down. So, I mean, we don't have hours of wait, but almost every day we'll have people waiting for us to open. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. On August 1st, last when we had the new releases, people were, were waiting, you know, for all the Kenobi stuff. So, you know, I'm waiting, like I said, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, you know, when it'll slow down uh, when school starts, but it's been such a great experience uh, to see the success that's happened uh, uh, with uh, not just my store, but hearing about all the other stores too uh, and how they're doing and everybody just saying, thank you for being here. We're so glad this is finally here. People were coming from the Detroit area. People were coming from, you know, Indiana and in Illinois to the store. And my goodness, it's it's been, somebody called me from Ohio yesterday. It, yeah, so you're going to get the attention. If you open up Bricks and Minifigs in your town, you do the right things, you will get the audience and you will get the crowds. That's so fantastic to hear. And and I imagine, you know, having those lines there on opening day and, you know, before you open each day helps with the word of mouth spreading as well. It makes people more excited about, you know, they, they see that it's in demand. They see that it's highly loved and sought after to go into your store. And so they want in. Yep. Um, that's really, really great to hear. And I guess looking back at the last, you know, two months, you, you open in June, right? So you're just like yep. less Late than June. two months in. Um. Yeah. When did you, I, I it, it, the answer is probably opening day, right? But but have you had a moment where you're like, okay, this is totally going to work. Like this is going to smash my expectations. I guess financially, uh, you know, in terms of the business side of it, um, do you feel like it's, you know, it's way beyond what you expected? Is it, um, it, do you feel kind of at peace with any fears that you had before you opened? Uh, it's definitely so much more than what I expected. Um I am at peace somewhat, but I'm not definitely not that type of person. I always like to play, and I was doing the theater for for 15 years, and I have this, I, I play like I'm behind, right? Mm. I you know I don't rest on my laurels. I keep going. What's next? Uh, you know, and in the theater business, you're always producing new content, right? You're always producing new shows every four or six weeks. You're on to the next thing. What's the next show, right? Who am I hiring for this show? What am I doing? So for this, it was like, well, I'm getting ready for a show that's never going to close uh, for this. And and how's that going to work, right? Is this, isn't this going to wear off? But I'm slowly realizing that, you know, there are certain waves and certain court, you know, areas of time that you're going to be able to prepare for and and learn for, you know, quarter four is a, is a show unto itself, right? And how do you prepare for the spring? What different things are you going to need to do to keep engagement, to keep, you know, to keep, to keep uh, uh, interest going in those lower months, you know, January, February, you know, March, et cetera, um, and prepare for that and then get back to next summer and everything like that. So, you know, the cycle will continue. Oh, that's so great. Amazing. Adam, just one more question for you. And that is, of course, for anybody out there who is thinking, I would love to do this. I want to be involved. Bricks and minifigs sounds like a great idea. Do you have any kind of watch outs, challenges, tips, things that you would say to that person, you know, to, to maybe kind of pay attention to or something that you wish that you knew before you started anything at all that you would say to someone who's thinking about doing it? Sure. Uh, I would say, you know, like for any franchise, regardless of whether it's bricks and minifigs or any investment, really, do you have, you know, are you able, you know, a lot of people put all their eggs in one basket. Um, if you're going to do that, 
with a bricks and minifigs, be really aware of that and make sure there's transparency with uh, with the franchise or right. Have, make sure that everything is uh, is is on the table. I think when you're going into it, because you're interviewing them and they're interviewing you. You're entering into a symbiotic relationship, right? So I would say make sure you have the funds to to survive uh, and to build out. Uh, you're probably going to need more money than you think, right? You always will. Um, but uh, hopefully the rewards will come after that. Uh, they tell you that usually on average for any franchise, you know, it takes about 18 months to go into the black. Uh, so be prepared for that, right? Um, and I would say, you know, just just be prepared to, I, I'm kind of used to it when I was working at the theater, right? I, I was the executive director, but I had a board of directors above me, right? That I had to report to. Um, this is a little bit easier, but I still kind of have a board above me, right? And that's the, the franchisor. So I still have to kind of be aware of that in the back of my head. So if I'm a person that's very headstrong, if I'm a person, you know, that, that I, you know, I can debate about anything, get what I want. And maybe you have to understand that when entering into a sort of relationship, it's a give and take, right? So pick your battles, right? Um, and, and I think everyone can come out a winner if you do all those things. I love that mentality. Everyone can come out a winner. That's what we want. Right. Adam, thank you so much for sharing all your experiences with us. I, I know this was kind of an area that a lot of people wanted to learn more about. So uh, hopefully, you know, the, the people out there got some value from this. Um, anybody who is listening or watching, if you are in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, make sure to go check out Bricks and Minifigs. Say hi to Adam um, in his store there. Uh, share your experiences. Let us know. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure it was amazing. I'm definitely going to try and get out there at some point. Awesome. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for your time again and wishing you all the best with uh, Q4 and beyond with the store. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, everybody listening again, if you uh, if you hit that subscribe button, we're going to have more awesome interviews about bricks and business coming soon. So with that, thank you so much for watching or listening. I'm Shane with BrickBooks.net and I'll see you in the next one. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star rating. It really does help us to bring you amazing content. And if you want to learn more about building an income with Lego, check out BrickBucks.net or find us on YouTube at BrickBucks to learn about Lego investing.